this is Jonathan Zapp of ZappOracle.com and welcome to a brief history of the Zapp Oracle. And by Zapp Oracle, I'm referring specifically to the Oracle, which has a longer history than to the website of the same name, ZappOracle.com. Also, the history is going to be recounted here, but not the instructions for the Oracle, which are better read in the, the document form that, that you can find on the website or uh, attached to this podcast, depending on which form you're listening to it, um, because those give screenshots that will uh, allow you to understand the instructions a lot better than just hearing them read out loud. Okay. Although I have attached my last name to the Oracle, I consider myself the co-creator of the Oracle, as a variety of other forces, human and otherwise, have collaborated in its inception and continuing growth and development. The Zap Oracle had a very humble origin about 30 years ago, and now it might be 35 years. I grew up in New York City where I frequently visited art museums. At some point I began to accumulate art postcards, which I found at museums and various stores. Eventually I put, I put all these cards in an unused camera bag and started a weekly ritual, picking four cards from the bag and putting them up on the fridge with refrigerator magnets. I probably didn't have any oracular expectations. I just wanted a way to, to vary the display on the fridge. I had already read Jung at this point, so I already knew about synchronicity, but I don't think I was expecting the card choice to be synchronistic. At some point, I began to notice synchronicities between the card choices and what was going on in my life during the weeks the cards were chosen the card collection more or less revealed its own identity as an oracle. Crucial to the card collection beginning to function as an oracle was that the images I collected were ones that were numinous to me. Numen means spirit, so something is numinous when it is imbued with the spirit and lights up in the mind of a perceiver as having an uncanny significance. Intuitively, I had chosen images that were numinous and therefore mostly <coughs> archetypal and dense with layers of meaning. Some images were uplifting and filled with light. Others were dark and twisted. This was also crucial in the collection becoming an oracle because uh, life is dark and light, yin and yang, and an oracle needs to be a symbolic microcosm of the macrocosm. If both principles are not represented, then you get a pseudo-oracle that is one-sided and inadequate. For this reason, I find a New Age product like Angel Cards to be lightweight and superficial because only nice flattering things are represented. If you put together a collection of archetypal signifiers of some sort, and those signifiers represent light and dark in a wide variety of states, you're creating a symbolic microcosm, and that microcosm becomes a kind of brain or neural network that is activated by the presence of an open percipient. I put activated in quotes because I have to be careful of my verbs here, as the principle of synchronicity implies an a-causal relationship, and most verbs imply a causal relationship. And you could follow up with some stuff I wrote about synchronicity in the I Ching. So I discover, um, discovered, rather than intended, that this collection of postcards was acting like a kind of brain. Each card was like a neuron in this brain, and the power of those neurons came from the visionary artists who created the original images. 
The more cards and neurons added to the oracle, the more varied the states that it could represent in its interaction with me, and therefore the more intelligently interactive it seemed to be. Eventually, the oracle outgrew the camera bag and moved into a small backpack. By this time, I was calling it the Image Oracle, a name that it retained during most of its life. In addition to consulting the oracle myself, I also made it available to other people and sometimes did readings for them, often done in combination with I Ching readings. The cards had no captions, so I was typically the one to narrate the meaning of the cards, and together we would explore relationships of, of meaning between the cards and the reading and what was going on in the life of the person getting the reading. The image oracle had been in use for more than 20 years before my friend Daniel made a suggestion in 2004 that seemed simple, obvious, and amazing in that it had never occurred to me. He suggested I caption the images. Almost immediately I began to carry out that suggestion. Two other changes in the oracle happened around the same time. Increasingly, I was using my own photographs, I tend to photograph what I find numinous, um, as, the, as the new cards in the Oracle. I was living in rural British Columbia at the time, so I wasn't running into so many new art cards, but I had lots of photographs. I also became anxious about the physical vulnerability of the Oracle as it was made out of paper and existed in one backpack. Many cards had been in use for 20 years or more, and were getting scuffed and dog-eared. I decided to begin the laborious process of laminating the cards with self-adhesive lamination sheets. This choice was a very mixed blessing. It prevented further scuffling of, scuffing of cards, but it was a poor solution compared to scanning the cards and preserving them in a digital format. When I later did start to scan them, the lamination would adversely affect the image quality. Some of this will be improved in the future when I find negatives and better sources of the images I can rescan. While I was captioning and, lament and laminating, I was also going through piles of my own photographs and adding them to the Oracle, which had now outgrown the backpack and molted into a large Jim duffel bag. In May of 2005, I was brainstorming with my friend Drew Stricker about the design of a new website he was going to build for me. Drew is a young digital artist and computer wizard who uh, lives or lived at the, who lived in uh, Arkansas at the time. Thinking about what functions I wanted on this website, it occurred to me that it would be great to have the image oracle available online. The more I thought about it, the more it seemed that this would be a central part of the site. And when it came on to choose a domain name, I decided on zaporacle.com. During the summer, Drew built the infrastructure of the site and many of the graphical elements. Also during the summer, I discussed the structure of the Oracle function with another friend, David Thomas, who is a talented software engineer known for his ability to create quick and effective solutions to complex problems. At the time, David was too busy with his job at IBM to do more than make a few suggestions. In mid-October of 2005, I called David and found that he had a block of free time available and immediately set to work on writing the code for the Oracle. David found a random number generator algorithm called the Mersin Twister designed by Makoto Matsumoto and Tajuki Nishimura to have a far, which was designed to have a quote, far higher order of equidistribution equi than any other implemented generators. Unquote. 
and so that the, quote, 623-dimensional equidistribution property is assured, unquote. As far as I can figure out, this has something to do with math and sounds really cool. My initial readings were extremely synchronistic and relevant, so it seemed to be working. And I've looked into other randomizing processes and so forth, but basically have come to the conclusion that the principle of synchronicity is so robust that it will work with any method and the seed for the algorithm is uh, the exact moment in time. So the user is definitely participating in the choice, uh, the time choice of when they hit the mouse uh, button or tap the track pad or whatever um, <clears throat> and choose a card. And in parapsychological research, there's a theory called decision augmentation theory that says that um, many paranormal effects are actually a kind of clairvoyance about the best time to initiate an experiment. So uh, decision augmentation would work perfectly with a, an oracle that has a time seed, uh, has the time as the seed for the algorithm. Over the next few days, David made amazing progress in coding a working prototype. Halloween of 2005 was a day of synchronicities with a lot of thematic coherence. It was an emotionally charged day because my mom was entering Mount Sinai Hospital for procedures preliminary to open heart surgery on November 1st. A long I Ching consultation that morning pointed to work on the website as my main focus. Synchronicities immediately seemed to support that with emails, the first of the sort in weeks, coming in from people who found the website and wanted DVDs and readings. Later in the day, I found myself doing other livelihood work, which I experienced as extremely counter-enthusiastic. Almost the moment that work ended, um, I got a call from David, and he set up a three-way call uh, with, with Drew. Most of the conversation was rapid-fire dialogue um, between um, Drew and David in uh, computerese that I could only follow in broad outline, but was delighted to be a bystander. I felt like a kid looking in at the elves' workshop as these two computer wizards talked about future designs, and at the same time, working online together, modified a prototype David had built for the Zap Oracle. To my amazement and delight, while we were on the phone, they uploaded it onto the website and made a number of modifications and enhancements. I was out of my bicycle when the phone call started. By the time I got home and turned on my laptop, the Zap Oracle had been born coming online at the time of the year most associated with magic and the crossing over of living and dead, conscious and unconscious, All Hallows' Eve, also known as Halloween. And some astrologers do charts not just on people, but on projects, political movements, etc., and they base their charts on the time and place of inception. Without anyone having the conscious intention, the conference call and birth of the Zap Oracle happened to occur on Halloween evening, which was also the eve of a huge medical transition for my immediate family, and the eve of a day in which there had been so many indications to focus on the website. The place of inception would have to be cyberspace, otherwise we would have to triangulate some intermediary point in the U.S., as all three of us on the design team were at least a thousand miles from the next nearest person. Come to think of it, both time and space were somewhat indeterminate as we were all in different time zones. This also seems propitious as an oracle, like the unconscious, like the dream time, needs to exist somewhat outside of space-time. 
Also propitious was that every phase of my mom's recovery from heart valve replacement surgery, which occurred the following morning, happened ahead of schedule. Eight years later in 2013, she's still doing fine at age 89. Some other notes on the oracle. Quite a few of the Zap Oracle cards are self-portraits, and there are three reasons for this I can think of. The most obvious is that I'm a very slowly recovering narcissistic personality type. The second reason is that I have a lot of self-portraits, not because I'm photogenic, but because I'm the one person always around when I take pictures. Third is that it feels easier to assign a meaning to a self-portrait, and doing that for pictures of friends and strangers can sometimes seem more like an imposition. Version 3 of the Zap Oracle was coded by computer wizard Mathiel. That was the name he was born with. And it launched in the summer of 2007 and brought many improvements uh, in layout, new user features, such as an ability to magnify cards, many new administrative functions for building and editing cards. Version 3.2 launched on November 9, 2007. This version allows users to save their readings plus any notes they add and also individualizes each card position based on information entered by the user. This version also includes the first prototype of Theme Tracker, a program that analyzes all the users' saved readings to show which of 46 archetypal themes are most or least prominent. As far as I know, no Oracle has ever had such a capability, and it can also be used to analyze a particular reading just by, if you'll see at the end of the reading, it'll say view themes for this reading, and that's usually the most useful uh, way of applying it. Version 3.2, which included the first occurrence of Theme Tracker, unintentionally launched on an astrologically significant day, a Scorpio new moon. The day of the launch, a friend showed me an article in the Mountain Astrologer about the Scorpio new moon occurring on the same day. The new moon is the ideal time in the lunar cycle to begin something, and Scorpio is all about delving into mysteries, the unconscious, etc. Neither I nor Mathiel had any awareness of this when the new version launched. All of this reinforces the sense I have, which others have had, about the I Ching or the Tarot, that the Oracle is its own entity. By the way, we will, uh, we're working on another, or I'm hoping soon that Matthew will be working on another function for the Oracle called Meaning Tracker. And, but that has not yet been created. When you choose cards from the Oracle, you also become part of its history or morphic field. This field is continuing to develop and has now become part of that global brain called the internet, which will likely mutate it into even more unexpected directions. The Zap Oracle presently, August 2013, has 662 cards, but I expect to add many, many more, and I hope to be continuing to add, edit, and modify it for many years to come. Only you can decide if the results you get from an Oracle are random or oracular synchronicities, parallelisms between your psyche life situation and the signifiers, cards, hexagrams, etc. of the oracle. What many people find is that there are certain times, especially when they are sincere in approaching the oracle and truly in need, when every response is dead on accurate. At other times, the responses seem uh, random, irrelevant, even misleading, and this seems to especially happen when one is redundantly or indulgently consulting the oracle. In ancient times and continuing into the present, people often approach oracles 
looking to have their ego preferences confirmed to be flattered or to get answers to questions when their own intuition or previous oracle has already supplied an answer. Mechanically, we all do this, certainly I have, we approach the oracle as if we were pulling the handle of a slot machine until we get a prize. The I Ching recognizes this tendency and has many relevant lines in hexagram number four, Youthful Folly. For example, it is not I who seeks the young fool, the young fool seeks me. At the first oracle I inform him, if he asks two or three times, it is importunity. If he importunes, I give him no information. It does not further to persevere. If you do persevere, you may get random or irrelevant results, or far more dangerously, the oracle may mirror your own trickster energy and give you the results your ego craves, allowing you to play the fool. Essentially, a moment of consulting an oracle is a networked constellation of elements. The oracle, your psyche, the particular moment in time, the method of choosing one of the oracle's signifiers, and the principle of synchronicity seem to be the chief elements. All of these elements need to align for an ideal moment of oracle consultation. Feedback of any kind about the oracle, including typos, errors of grammar or word choice, factual errors, philosophical disagreements, are gratefully appreciated. Please send to jonathanzapp at hotmail.com. Best wishes for your relationship with the Zap Oracle. This is Jonathan Zapp signing off. Thank you for listening.